Good evening. Welcome to the Abbot Speaks Podcast, your home for exploring current events through a biblical lens. I am your host, Michael Abbott Jr., and I thank you so much for listening and tuning into my program and making it a part of your busy day. Today, I am going to talk about a topic that was once risque and taboo, even scandalous. Even the thought of it brings about feelings of unease and discomfort, but we can no longer avoid the elephant in the room. The inspiration for today's podcast is brought to you in part by the emotional hypothesis, modern science's substitute for empirical research, and by progressivism. Trust us, we're not a religion. And of course, the loyal interest of dedicated listeners like you. I've entitled today's program, Conversational Impotence is Killing Our Country. Your 10-minute road to wisdom begins right now. Americans have a performance problem. Despite living in the most developed country in world history, we have lost our ability to communicate with one another. And as a result, our civilization is now crumbling before our very eyes. How did this happen? This is the effect of a people who have perverted their civil discourse. And like most perversions, we have so abused this essential function that it has left us with a chronic inability to even enter into basic dialogue. Allow me to explain. The most high-speed form of communication is, has always been, and will always be the direct physical engagement between two individuals. This communicative model produces genuine and authentic human relationships that build trust and camaraderie within the community. The efficiency of the direct engagement model is unparalleled because healthy social interaction requires warmth and it requires tenderness that can only be spread through the exchange of body language in addition to actual spoken words. The reason our country has teetered to the brink of sustainability is because we have completely abandoned this time-tested model of communication. In its place, nearly all of us now primarily converse with individuals via text message, social media, phone call, or video chat. When conversing with society, nearly all of us, all of us, turn to the television as a substitute for entering the public square. Popular opinion would suggest that technology, social media, and the television make the world a smaller place and more interconnected. This is about as true as a tabloid headline. These mediums irrefutably obstruct the development of authentic human relationships. You see, by eliminating the spoken word, by eliminating physical touch, by eliminating body language, these outlets gradually remove water and sunlight from a timeless practice that's designed to cultivate warmth and tenderness. Think about it. We are now channeling all of our deepest emotions into some type of handheld device or screen that has no means of returning these emotions. We've become so addicted to these surrogate, albeit lifeless methods of exchange, that we no longer even desire to communicate with living, breathing human beings. Metaphorically speaking, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to meet our deep-seated need for social engagement by drinking salt water as opposed to fresh water. Like a man lost at sea, as we increase our salt water intake, it only leaves us with a greater degree of dehydration and dizziness. 
Has this not been our national solution to a desperate need for basic human contact? A recent Nielsen report found that the average American spends nearly 11 hours a day consuming media through the use of smartphones, television, tablets, computers, or other multimedia devices. There is so much symbolism in the fact that people spend hours engaging in virtual communication from a crouched position of physical isolation. We're primarily communicating today from the fetal position, and the outside world is just passing us by. This isolation has been masquerading as connectivity and entertainment for decades, and it promises to bring us a fulfilling life devoid of deep, meaningful, and trusting relationships. But as you well know, this is an empty promise. Authenticity has become a scarce commodity in American culture, but we all still want to experience love. We desperately want to experience joy. We crave acceptance, amusement, even surprise. Conversely, we are also prone to the lower impulses of human nature. We're simply captivated by anger, fear, suffering, and heartache. Our refusal to satisfy these desires through each other directly in healthy face-to-face relationships has resulted in America never having a greater supply of artificial surrogates that promise to fulfill these most basic of human needs. But in a highly competitive environment, nearly all of these outlets are vying for supremacy in a contest of who can rush to the climax of various human emotions most quickly. Our television programs take anywhere from 23 to 47 minutes to pull at the heartstrings of all of us, instill fear, create anticipation, create wonder, tantalize our carnal impulses, or sensationalize the lapses in judgment of our neighbors. Movies, well, they take a little bit longer, maybe two hours, two and a half hours. Social media posts, a bit shorter. Some is even as short as 140 characters. But like a porn addict who has lost his ability to perform sexually, our self-inflicted overstimulation has left us with a chronic case of conversational impotence. When we reach across the political aisle in American culture today, we rush to anger and hatred. When we reach across a religious aisle, we hastily apply disparaging labels. Even the triviality of a sporting event is enough to provoke hostility between the fans of opposing teams. Men rush to ecstasy by looking at women as objects of sexual gratification. Women rush to anticipation by looking at men as financial institutions. Both increasingly rush to disgust with the idea of even having to care for children. These are the symptoms of conversational impotence. Leaving this condition undiagnosed and untreated is killing, killing our culture. The end result of this disease fully metastasizing is a complete paralysis of the American body. Why do you think our culture has sprouted the tumors of Antifa, white nationalism, and Black Lives Matter? These factions are so far beyond reason that they conclude that violence, not dialogue, is always the answer to every problem facing American culture. Again, conversational impotence a complete inability to find value in any degree of civil discourse. We are so much better than this. Americans are an exceedingly decent group of people. We simply need to recognize our condition and return to a high-speed, two-way form of communication. Look at how we reacted throughout Hurricane Harvey. Look at the compassion of the average American. We are loving people. 
Due to their dangerous side effects that can stimulate our lowest impulses, electronic tools of any form must always be used in moderation. They can never, never function as a primary means of communication. Can they supplement how we talk to each other? Of course, but they cannot be the primary method of communication. If they are, the culture will dehydrate and ultimately it will drown. So let me expand upon the analogy I briefly referenced earlier. The sea of technology is very similar to the salt water that fills the ocean. The water appears clear, it appears suitable for consumption, but it's salt water. And the salt levels in this water are far beyond what can naturally be processed by the human body. When we drink the water from the ocean, we are only left with a greater thirst for refreshment. Similarly, when we drink from the sea of technology, we are only left with a greater thirst for attachment. Nevertheless, many of us are drifting out to sea without the requisite rations that can sustain either ourselves or our community, and we're oblivious to this unmitigated risk of conversational dehydration. Have we become so blind that we cannot see that what we need lies not within a device, but within each other? I need you, and you need me. Human beings will never be replaceable, and shame on us for believing as if we are. As a recovering patient, I stand ready to listen to all sides of the spectrum that are interested in giving our children a brighter future. And I only ask you one question. Will you talk to me? Boy, what a difference one week makes. Last week, you'll recall I was sitting on four reviews of the program in the iTunes store. The magic number for being an officially rated program is five. And last week, I was pleading with all of you, please step up and share your thoughts on the broadcast. Step up, you did. I am now sitting at seven reviews, and you've all been so gracious to rate the program five stars. Let's keep the momentum going. The best way we can get this program to climb the charts, the best way we can share these ideas with more and more people, is to show them that people are getting satisfaction out of the show. That's where you come in. So, I plead with you today, can you help me cross into double digits? Like most programs, Apple uses an algorithm to determine its overall program rankings. Again, if you're looking to support the program without making any type of financial commitment, you can help me immensely by just leaving a review through either iTunes or the podcast app. I really hope you'll consider my request. As always, our conversation never has to end with the conclusion of each podcast. I am a published author, and my book, Entitled to Slavery, is featured on nearly all outlets, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, many other booksellers. If you like the content on the program, you're going to love the book. Actually, I'd prefer you to make your purchase through my website at abbottspeaks.com, though, since the lowest price you can find the book anywhere on the internet is there, and it comes with free shipping. You can also engage with me on Facebook by adding me as a friend using the handle at abbottspeaks. Send me a message. Use my handle to share your favorite podcast. If you're not on Facebook, you can always email me through my website, abbottspeaks.com. If you've missed any of the earlier episodes, we're up to 17 now, please give them a listen. I limit each program to 10, 12, 15 minutes so you can start your day with some commercially uninterrupted philosophy to help you speed up the morning drive. Bring these conversations with you into the workplace. I think the days of discussing pointless reality television have run their course. Subscribe to the iTunes channel and add some depth and meaning to your daily conversations. Until next time, I bid you farewell. Be bold with your faith, strong in your convictions, and courageous in the workplace.